I first connected with Mona Russell on the Pickleball Forum for Women because she signed up to be a mentor for others who might be interested in growing a pickleball club or even starting a pickleball business. So we talk about both those things during the episode today. Let's get to the intro to hear from Mona. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Mona Russell. How are you doing today, Mona? Well, hi, Lynn. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and just to give the uh, audience some uh, perspective here, I first ran across you and kind of what you do in the Pickleball Forum for Women. And uh, I know we're going to get to many different things, but I always like to start off asking how you got involved in pickleball and how long ago it was that you started. Well, believe it or not, I've been playing pickleball for about 14 years. So from what I understand, that's quite a while. My uh, sister-in-law said something about when I lived in Ohio, pickleball courts in Holland, Ohio. And I said, what's pickleball like everybody else says that hasn't heard of it. And within a couple of days, I was over at the pickleball courts learning pickleball and, and playing and becoming addicted like everybody else. Wow. I, I do have to admit, I've, I've talked to a few people who have played more than 14 years, but not a whole lot. Tell me a little bit about what things were like that long ago. I've, I'm just really new to pickleball. I just started playing in 2018 when I moved to Connecticut. So just kind of give me a sense of what it was like 14 years ago. Well, Connecticut is beautiful. I just came back from there. So that's a good place to play. Holland In, in Holland, Ohio, we had brand new courts. Coincidentally, the mayor of Holland, which is a very small town, played pickleball. So you can imagine we had beautiful courts there. The level of play, I don't think, was any different other than, of course, dinking uh, came around. It took me actually a couple years to start dinking. And I don't know that that's normal or that's just uh, how it was back then. But I didn't see the need for it and really like that power game. I came from tennis and racquetball, like so many other players. So I had a good inkling of, of what to do with a paddle or racket in my hand and was soon into the sport and really didn't have any problem with it. Everything basically is, is about the same, except the learning curve maybe took long. Right. And I have that similar background, at least from racquetball, being used to that power game. So it, it does take a little bit more patience. And as you move up the levels, the thinking really becomes so important. Absolutely. In fact, today here in Vero Beach, Florida, it's raining all day, which is not usual. And so we played some dinking for, for points. It was really fun and it helps you see that you need to go back to drilling more often. <laughs> right. So were the courts actually wet then? So you just kind of stayed, just didn't have to move around too much, just working on the dinks? Exactly. The courts were not drenched, but very slippery. I myself just had a knee replacement a little over a year ago, so I wasn't going to take any chances. But we played with four people, so you didn't have to move that much. And if somebody had a really good shot, you just said, nice shot. You mentioned your knee replacement. And actually, I had a really good friend who had a knee replacement about six months ago. And she lives she lives out of state, so I haven't talked to her for, 
talk to her for a while. Tell me a little bit about how you rehab from that and how you got back into the game because normally I think when you get a knee replacement, you'd you'd be off probably for quite a few months. Probably should have, but <laughs> I did have shoulder surgery. I'd say after about five years of playing, I did have some shoulder surgery, a little bit of rotator cuff issues and some some burrs and spurs and impingement. So that was corrected. And I, I got quite a few years out of that. That is beginning to hurt a little bit again. The knee replacement, my knee was injured 45 years ago. And I was waiting. It's an expensive surgery. I was waiting to get on uh, Medicare. So about 14 months ago, I had the knee replaced. My doctor was a sports doctor. And he told me he could put in the bottom part that goes into the tibia, he could add two inches to that piece to help for pivoting. I knew I had a good guy at that point because he understood sports. So uh, I had the surgery. It was very, very painful and a very difficult rehab. And believe it or not, I was dinking at six and a half weeks and playing games in seven weeks. Probably shouldn't have, but he said it was okay. He said, you got the need to play pickleball, go play pickleball. That's actually really impressive that you got on the court that quick. And it's so interesting what you said about giving that additional two inches at the tibia, which allows you to to pivot and obviously move, move better on the court. I mean, I, I've never heard of that with a knee replacement. So it's right. It sounds like you got the right guy. Yeah, I had never heard of it either. And I'm uh, very pleased with the knee now. I do get a little bit of, of pain if I play every day. I really should play two on, one off. If I can uh, control myself at all, that would be best for me. And so I do get a little bit of pain from it, but I just take some Tylenol arthritis and I'm good to go. Well, the other thing too that you mentioned about your knee is you heard it a long time ago, but you, I, I think you said you waited 45 years. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that is right. Wow, that's that's crazy. Well, I'm I'm glad you were able to get that done and back on the court. And I would imagine when you had those knee issues, because I certainly have knee issues, that uh, pickleball was a much better sport than racquetball or tennis. Yeah, racquetball. I ha I had to quit uh, tennis actually in my 30s, probably mid 30s, because it it was just too painful. And uh, so I just went to racquetball full time and. And that's a lot of stop start and a lot of pivotal moving. And that just really wreaked havoc on my knee. So I was actually off all court sports for probably 15 years. And that was awful. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it nice to find pickleball? Because that's actually my experience too, is I totally tore my ACL. I decided not to get it surgically repaired. And I thought, okay, well, that's the end of playing any racquetball. That's the end of playing any tennis. That's the end of playing any basketball, volleyball, any court sport. And then when I saw pickleball, I'm like, I think I could do that. And do you have pain? Because I heard ACL is quite painful. Well, at the time I injured it, but no, actually, I don't have a lot of pain. I think the only the, the, the biggest downside is potentially because you're missing that ligament, you can uh, dislocate your knee, which obviously would not be fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've heard of so many different kinds of injuries, unfortunately. A lot of knee replacements 
and um, some hip replacements and shoulder surgeries. But you know what? We're out there. We're getting exercise. We're in a lot better shape than we would be sitting home eating bonbons. So I'm, I'm just totally grateful that the surgery could be done. Absolutely. And one of the things, too, that you mentioned kind of in the intro is that you're a member of a very large pickleball club. Now, here in Connecticut, population smaller. There's lots of snowboards that go back and forth. But believe me, I don't know of any pickleball clubs that large. Tell me, you've been playing for a while. So in, any any thoughts on what you can say about in terms of how it how it got started, how it got so big, how it grew? Just tell me what it's like to have an 850 people in a pickleball club. Well, we started here. Actually, I just moved full-time here a year ago, but I was a snowbird for 14 or 15 years. So I started out with this club when there were maybe 35 of us or something. And we played at a softball field that had a tennis court and we just lined the the court. And we just moved over to another facility that had tennis courts and convinced the city that they needed to be pickleball courts the you know and then we grew we maybe had a hundred members it's been a difficult thing for us here in Vero Beach because the city claims even though it's a very wealthy community that they're broke and it all has to do with the power company ad nauseum so I won't go into it but we raised our members raised $280,000 to repair first complete and then repair. So we have one, two, three, four, we have 12 courts. We have a north side and a south side. Normally, and, and I'll say normally because anybody can play anywhere, we have one side that is more social and one side that is more competitive. So our our more competitive side starts at maybe I'm going to say like 3.75 and goes up from there. So believe it or not, we we have so many people that want to play in the morning that I started a Wednesday afternoon group of ladies, 4.0 plus, and we must have 50 plus people that are women that are 4.0 plus. So how lucky are we to have that? Absolutely. That sounds like such a a great group. And one of the things I kind of have to go back to, because I think a lot of people might be interested and you can probably shed some light on this, is you mentioned that your club raised $280,000. Now, was that largely in the form of club members donating or was it more of uh, other fundraising type efforts? And maybe if if so, what what were they? We did a huge, massive GoFundMe, which was mostly members' contributions. We also got uh, a few businesses, I guess maybe 15 businesses came in on that. And then we offered for $1,000, which soon changed to $2,000, but started at $1,000, you could become a lifetime member. And so we had a lot of people giving $1,000 toward it. And we just kept this going for months and ended up with 280 some thousand dollars. It was fantastic. It, we, we plastered it on Facebook and the businesses that, that gave, we included a banner to be hung at the courts. So our courts are, are really, really nice. They've just been, we had enough money to then update again. And we've had tournaments. We've had Kyle Yates here. We've had some big names. Claire Grabber is a member of our club. 
and Jack Foster, who you'll, if you haven't heard of, you're going to hear more about. He's about 19, 20 years old, and I think he's like, like 10th in the country. So we've got some pro players and really a great club. You can play at any level, any, any play level you come in at, you're going to find some good games. Wow. Well, that's really exciting. Everything the club has done. And tell me how many months did it actually take to raise that amount of money? Oh, you got me there. That's a good question. I'm going to say six months. Oh, that's, that's not bad at all. Cause I, I know a lot of the cities want the pickleball clubs or people to pitch in some money to, to make it all happen. So thanks so much for kind of going through what it, what it took to do that, because this might give some incentive to other folks to go ahead and give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, most, most uh, cities are, I mean, if you look at the, the amount of money that pickleball can bring in, especially if there's tournaments, most cities are happy to provide the courts for the people. And uh, we've had a struggle, although we do rent the court, the ground from the city. We have a like a 15-year lease from the city. So they have cooperated. They just couldn't fund it. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay, so th- that's, I wonder what will ha- happen in 15 years. Maybe they'll build some more courts by then. Well, I'm probably going to be too old to care, so I'm not going to worry about it. (laughs) Now, when you've got kind of a club that big, I think you said you were involved in using something or something called Sign Up Genius. Was that what you had told me before? That's correct. I do our, we have a website and I do our calendar, keep that updated. We have a lot of functions We have Saturday morning brunch, I'd say lunch or brunch, where there's a chef of the of the month. We do that once a month on Saturdays and people make uh, food and everybody puts money in the donation jar. We have a once a month outing, all dependent on COVID conditions. And we have a lot of training and coaching and drills and just many, many functions. So I keep the calendar up to date. And I also do the sign up genius where we will maybe sell, sell shirts or if people have to sign up with one of the coaches for an event. So I keep all that going. I think after people hear this, they might want to move to Vero Beach, Florida. <laughs> well, we're, we're about full over here with 850 plus members. I now, the other reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is because you run a business, you run a pickleball business where you sell jewelry. Tell me a little bit about how you got started doing that. I'll tell you exactly how this happened. I asked my husband, see, in 2015, I asked him for Christmas if he would get me a piece of pickleball jewelry. And he scratched his head and he said, if you find it, I'll buy it. So I went searching and I found one uh, jewelry maker who was making pickleball jewelry. So I ordered a piece and got it in and I was not happy with this piece of jewelry. I thought, gosh, how could I, this is the perfect time to get into this. How could I? And then I remembered that a sailing, that's S-A-I-L-I-N-G buddy of mine was a machine maker and a jeweler. And I called him and he said, tell me about it. And I spoke for about 20 minutes. He didn't know what pickleball was. 
I spoke for about 20 minutes of this growing sport. And um, he didn't say anything except when I stopped speaking, he said, I'm in. And that we got started within, oh, probably within we- that week. And so my business started in 2016. And so we're, we're six years in the business. We make mostly sterling silver jewelry. <clears throat> and uh, we do have some pieces uh, inlaid with gold and acrylic. And it's middle priced, not real high. We're not on the low side. Very high quality. Again, he was a machine maker. So he makes everything with utmost precision. And it's beautiful jewelry. It's called Pickleball and Jewelry. The website is pickleballandjewelry.etsy.com. And I sell most of it through Etsy. Although with 850 club members, you see a lot of my jewelry at our club and shirts. I have shirts and hats. And so my my logo is PB&J, which is really cute. Everybody likes it. And the shirts are real wicking and comfortable. So it's been a great business. It sounds wonderful. And tell me a little bit about, is it largely necklaces and and bracelets? What are some of the pieces you have? We have necklaces, bracelets, earrings. We've had key fobs. We will do custom ordering. So if somebody say wants a piece in all gold, which is going to be really expensive, we're open to that too. We don't do rings at this time because of the amount we'd have to have on hand, the different sizes, but we would custom order rings. So you name it, pretty much we do it. And we're always designing. That's why I can't have a catalog because we're always designing. And and my jeweler's name is Eric. He's in Dayton, Ohio, and he's a whiz at design. So we just have a lot of fun with it and uh, keeps me out of trouble, keeps me busy and out of trouble. Now, do you kind of come up with the idea for a piece and then he takes the design from there? I would say 95% of our designs come from his little head and um, 5% from me. So he is definitely the better designer. After he designs, we either get a prototype and and he sends it to me and we talk about doing this or that to the piece, or we just do this through email and through texting. What if you made this a little shorter, made this ball a little bigger, and that's how they come to be. Now, was it difficult getting the business, you know, up and going when you first started? It was. The hardest thing for me, believe it or not, was taking photographs of very shiny silver pieces. So that took about a year to master. But getting a website going was tricky. I'm no spring chicken. (laughs) So it was a little um, tricky for me and getting all the banking and the LLC set up and all that. It was all fun though. So I, I would say to anybody looking to do it, go for it because it's all learning. And if, if you're not learning, you're stagnant. So it's really fun to do. It sounds like you've certainly had some good success. I mean, Besides to your pickleball club, how else do you actually market the jewelry? Um, I'm in pickleball magazine. There's a brand new magazine that reached out to me called In Pickleball. Have you heard of it? In Pickleball? Uh, yeah. Is that the one that's kind of a style magazine? The, there's only been one issue so far, and it did have a lot of st- clothing and 
jewelry, et cetera. But they reached out to me and asked what I like to be in their first issue. And it was a big mystery because they wouldn't tell me the name of the magazine or when it was coming out. So, so I was in that. Of course, Etsy does their own advertising. And I advertise, of course. That all sounds great. I mean, it's always a challenge to start a business, but it sounds like you've really had a great success. So is there anything else that the Pickleball Fire audience should, should know about you or your business or your club? I was at the U.S. Open, I think in 2017, did a grand old business there. People really love the stuff. The problem is, is these uh, venues the booths are getting totally out of sight for the vendors. So you have to be a big, really big vendor to be able to afford what they're charging now. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that Pickleball, they just placed a big order with me. I They reached out to me probably four years ago and asked, could they carry my line of jewelry? And I said, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> so they can be purchased through Pickleball Central as well. Okay, well, that's perfect. That gives the audience lots of options to uh, purchase some really great stuff. So Mona, I, I do appreciate you so much coming on the podcast today. Just it's been really interesting to learn about not only the jewelry business, but also in terms of your very large pickleball club. So thank you so much for coming on today. Lynn, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.